Hi everyone, Lucas Werner here. If you've been enjoying these conversations with artists, I invite you to come visit David's Werner Gallery exhibitions in person. We're located in New York, Los Angeles, London, Paris, and Hong Kong. New exhibitions open each month. Plan your visit at davidswerner.com. Hey, my name, my name is Mike Winkleman. Uh, I go by the artist named Beeple, and I am a artist, I guess. And hi, my name is uh, Mike Winkleman. I go by the name Beeple. <laughs> no, I, I am Jordan Wolfson. From David Werner, this is Dialogues, a podcast about artists and the way they think. I'm Lucas Werner, and welcome to season five of Dialogues. To kick off the new season, we have a conversation between an artist many of you know, Jordan Wolfson, whose work continues to push the envelope of art and technology, and an artist many of you may not have heard of until very recently because his work is entirely digital. His name is Beeple. And when Mike Winkleman, better known as Beeple, sold an NFT at Christie's this past March, an entire parallel world of digital artists came crashing into what we might call the traditional art world. The tensions were immediate, and the debates around NFTs and digital art vis-a-vis the art world haven't subsided in the ensuing months. So are you going to be asking both of us questions? Yes. Oh, okay, I'll be, okay. I'll be, I'll be moderating it oh, in, okay. whatever, in whatever way feels appropriate. Oh, okay, um, perfect. Yeah, I mean, what blew me away, I have to say, we talked about it last time, was that you went on the website and, and basically just this idea of parallel worlds, that you didn't know any of the artists except for Coons, I think, is no. what you said, right? Yeah. I, yes. I definitely did not know any of the artists on there. I'd never seen any of those people. And I could be wrong. Maybe it's just me, but I don't think it is. I, I, I think it would go for the vast majority of digital artists that they have not heard of those artists, to be quite honest. Wow. Well, I could give you a list of probably a 20 top digital artists, and I'm sure you had heard of none of them. Absolutely Have you not, heard no. of me before this sale? No, I hadn't heard of any digital artists. I have almost 2 million followers. I know, I know, <laughs> That's I know. what I'm saying. That's no, totally I know. separate. Like, everybody in the digital art space had heard of me. It's literally the exact same thing. I, and to be honest, I don't think it, I don't think any sort of like ill will with you sort of not being aware of me because it's kind of like there was no way to collect my work. And so it's just kind of like, well, they were just two separate worlds. Like, here's these other group of people making art really has nothing to do with what I'm doing. Like, right. It's just kind of totally separate worlds or whatever. But, you know, that seems to be kind of the, the for me, the topic of topics is like, how, what do these parallel worlds mean <laughs> on some level? The parallel world between Mike and I. But just between what's called the, what we're calling the traditional art world and the increasingly visible, I should say, but long-standing digital art world, right? Which is, it's not that it hasn't, it didn't, it didn't get invented yesterday. It just became visible to us very recently through the art world's interest and, and the, I think a lot, all, frankly, like some of the monetary upside, which just gave it more visibility. Well, and I think honestly, the, the, I think it's a monetary upside, but just literally the ability to collect the digital art world. I think that is what honestly has just spurred it because again, there was no way to collect it. So it was sort of like your worlds are all about people owning pieces of art. And right. that is just literally was not a possibility. So it's kind of like, well, can't own this. So right. There's really, no economy really for it. nothing there. <laughs> right. But Jordan, were you familiar with some of the more digital artists? I mean, I wouldn't, 
you've definitely been more interested in pushing the boundaries of traditional visual art, I would say, compared to many other artists, which is why I thought this is a really interesting kind of, you know, frame, way to frame your interests and Mike's. Was I, so was I aware of the digital art? Yes, like, yes. You know, I had, um, I had been aware of like digital art, like in terms of like, um, for example, like CGI rendering art. Like, I don't know what, Mike, do you have a name for this genre? Like where people create scenarios and scenes and they render them. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly what I do. So, uh, I mean, yeah, that's just kind of like 3D art, I guess. Yeah, so I was aware, of, I've been aware of 3D art for over probably 22 years now, longer, as long as 3D art has existed. I think we all saw like 3D art in, um, you know, that that music video, that first music video, what's that band called? And it was, uh, how old are you talking about? I'm talking about like early 1980s. Uh, they're, they're like a like a rock band and they had a oh, rock. like Dire Straits or whatever. Yeah. So the guy. Yes, exactly. So the Dire Straits video. And then I was obsessed with that. And then I was obsessed with like the Weird Al Yankovic version of that. Yeah. Song. That's that's as <laughs> well, Mike, are you familiar with that? A ways back. That's a ways back. But is that a, is is something like that a reference point for you, Mike? Like, is that kind of art? You know what I mean? Yes like, and no. It is. It is a very like early, early. Like I knew what he was talking about. It is an early sort of like reference point. But when I talk about digital art personally, you know, and again, everybody's got their own sort of definition of what the hell we're talking about here. Me personally, I'm talking about art actually made like from 2000 on. And, it, and it's art made specifically, you know, sort of almost entirely or majority made on a computer and then distributed yeah. through the Internet. And, and that's the sort of like means of it, uh, of distribution. Um, so when I talk about digital art, that's kind of the context I'm speaking of it in. Right. But Mike, when you also talk about this, like there's also a lot of that art was also made in terms of a lot of it was actually fetish art as well. What do you mean by fetish art? A lot of it was like erotic, like a, a lot of erotic images. There is definitely, I wouldn't say a lot, but that is definitely a subset of it. I mean, there was people making, you know, all kinds of digital art 20 years ago, but that is certainly a subset of it. Yes. And I'm curious, is that it's also, is it sort of also related to the uh, sort of gaming industry as well? Absolutely. So in my digital art field, again, before NFTs, the main ways that people, pretty much the only ways people were making money were sort of either freelance jobs through clients or whatever, or you had a full-time job doing 3D art or whatever. And so that could be, or, or 2D art or whatever, digital art. And so that could be for you know, products for commercials, something like that. It could be concert visuals. It could be video games. That's another big one. It could be film and TV, like VFX. And that's the thing that I think is interesting too is everybody's seen digital art. Like you've yes. seen a shitload of digital art, actually. Almost anytime you go to the movies, you know, depending on what kind of movie you're looking at, you're looking at some level of digital art. And even things where you think, oh, this isn't like a CG, Transformers, Marvel, whatever, there's so much shit in the background that it's just like, oh, okay, put a green screen up, clear that out. We're going to throw a mountain in the background because that's what the director wants. And that scene is maybe way more digital than you think. Um, so 
that's the thing that I think is actually kind of interesting and ironic about this is this artwork was sort of in plain view the whole time, kind of, but just not thought of in the same sense of being able to sort of like collect it and sort of have that provenance and have that sort of like. Well, I'm going to interrupt you, Mike, because in also in a way, like I work with a lot of industry people and the word art is used not in the same probably way that we're using it in the art world where the, where we're using art as a kind of screen of witnessing culture, for example, like a witnessing of culture and the politics uh, and the social and all of these different things. And it was more like, you know, I work with people who be like, um, can we like, I'd be like, can we look at the monster art? Can we, can we work with someone who focus on sort of sci-fi art illustration? Or, I, or we would talk about art or you'd say, oh, this person is the art director. But like we weren't, and I think one of the things and one of the tensions that exists, for example, between you and we would call it like the art world, because we can actually really describe something as the art world, um, is that we would say that like the work that you're coming from comes from almost this illustration, like scenery and it was always based on rather than someone reacting to the world around them even though i'm sure you are reacting to the world around you yeah that i don't know i i know exactly I, what I, you mean i don't even want to finish this question because i i think mike you understand what i mean i understand exactly what you mean and that is very true to be honest uh, so it's sort of and in that, you're saying it's just like it was more commercial. People were doing it. They were paid. And that's you are 100 percent correct, because, again, that was the only way you could make money. You yeah. you couldn't make money like you're doing where you make art pieces and then people buy them. That just wasn't nobody was making money like that. It was here's the problem. You solve the problem with your computer drawing shit. We give you the money. Like, that's it. It was entirely commercial. And that's one of the things we're kind of like recognizing now, to be quite honest, is we're kind of like, OK, you know who are the sort of major players in this space, a lot of them actually have very little sort of what we called personal work, where it was just work that you did, just just like any other artist, you just did it for whatever the fuck reason, because partially people didn't do a lot of that stuff because there's no kind of like, you couldn't sell it, you could do it, but like nobody was going to buy it. So really all it served as, you know, besides you wanting to just sort of like express yourself is a way to sort of get better commercial gigs. I'm a little different in that I was always putting most of my time and true energy into making personal work. And, you know, that is sort of one of the reasons that I think I, I've been, you know, more successful in the traditional side uh, is because I have a shitload of work that I just fucking made just because I want to fucking make this. Nobody's paying me for it. I'm just going to keep fucking making it because I really want to make it. And it does do the things you're talking about where it's kind of comments on society and blah, 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 and sort of has, you know, capital A art sort of qualities, I guess. Intentions. Intentions. But, you know, Jordan, I was thinking as you guys were talking, like, it's interesting to think about other moments like graffiti, you know, like the moment where graffiti was widespread. It was not being made by people who are art historically trained. It was being made by people who wanted to express themselves, right, in a cultural space, right? In the same way that the digital space is a cultural space, right? It's its own canvas. It's its own cityscape. And you express yourself however you want. And of course, what happened, as we all know, is that graffiti got fully adopted 
into the art world, right? It became part of the canon. And, and, and I mean, we I all don't know. It, I don't think it did. And I don't, and I'm not, and I'm not saying graffiti isn't art, but I don't feel that it was fully accepted into the canon. I, I think it's, it's, um, let's, let me be more specific. It's stylistic influence is undeniably felt in contemporary painting, right? Undeniably. Wait, what do you mean when you say you don't think it did? Like, what about like people like, I guess, Banksy? You don't think that's like, no, I actually think Banksy, in a way, is like an outlier in the art world. And I okay, and well, I what about like Shepard Fairey or somebody like that? I, I believe Shepard Fairey is also not is an outlier. Is an out is, is even more of an outlier than Banksy. This is this is a very interesting point that Jordan's bringing up. That actually, and it speaks to I think what I'm most interested here, which is that people like Banksy and Shepard Fairey are from real insiders in the art world considered on the margins because of their popular appeal in some way, right? Because of the fact that it's so widespread. It doesn't, it's not that, it, it's not speaking to the kind of problems, as it were, that the art world is potentially interested in or that the, that cultural conversation is interested in, right? I mean, and I think we should get back to that. The thing that I was saying I though is- I disagree with you, Lucas. I would disagree because I would say Shepard Fairley and Banksy's works are unremarkably unenigmatic. And they don't leave any room for a viewer to kind of ex experience a kind of cognitive equation of relating to an object or an image or a moving image, for example. But now you're getting, and that's an interesting question, now you're getting at what you feel makes a piece of art successful, Jordan, right? And, and I think what's happening right now is, is different communities are coming up with different rubrics for what makes a piece of art successful. Right. I mean, I have to assume, Mike, that like in the digital world, there is an aesthetic like there is a sensibility developing that values certain things over other things. I mean, is oh, that, there's right? that it wasn't developing. That yeah, was developed. It is, it's right. kind of like I could immediately look at something and be like, oh, that's fucking good. Like that person has is very well trained. They're very technically good. It's, you know, just like you guys would look at any other piece of traditional art. I could look at it in two seconds and be like, yeah, no, that was done for somebody who's been around for a sec and like knows this shit um, or literally immediately look and be like, yeah, no, it's garbage. Because I can't. I can't. I don't know if you I can very easily do that. But like, I would never look at things under those conditions. Like and I and I would never look at something under the conditions of, for example, like this person is really, really good at drawing. Therefore, this person is a good artist. Like I haven't picked up a pencil and drew in probably 16 years, except for like sketches where I have to illustrate stuff. Um, then, and what I mean by illustrate stuff, I mean, basically explain like an idea to someone I'm working with. Right. Um, but, but sorry, just to jump in Jordan, but you would look at contemporary artists around you and say that person is an excellent artist because they're fulfilling the criteria that you bring to visual art, right? The art world no, criteria of... I would say like someone like Carrie James Marshall or Elizabeth Payton are master artists. Right. And their mastery of their art also is through a kind of, they're also master craftspersons. Right. And there's some type of transcendence between, um, it's like a, some type of a transcendence or a kind of, uh, there's some type of like, you know, Venn diagram of genius in terms of artistic genius and then craft genius. And when they kind of cross, you have, Carrie James Marshall, you have Elizabeth Payton, you have 
Neo Rausch, but then you would have another artist, for example, like Felix Gonzalez Torres, where that you don't think as much of craft. Sure. Right. You this is someone, Mike, Felix is someone who used objects often to tell a story, right? So he would put objects in juxtaposition or, you you know, and it would be very poetic, but very minimalist in a way, very understated, sure. you know? Sure, sure, sure. Um, so it's not about making something complex yeah, making and making something very complex and like sort of mastering the like tools of that. It's more conceptual and sort of yeah. like something yeah. like that. Yeah. But you know, but that's also overwhelmingly complex and overwhelmingly emotional. Totally. But- I'm sorry, Lucas. No, go, 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 Jordan. Sorry, it, I'm just what's interesting about this conversation is as if we've almost got like two sides of the road, and we have this this world of of sort of art and allegory, and not to say that Mike's not using art and allegory. There's certainly art and allegory in there, but what describes something or makes something? into something that you know someone goes into a and i i really feel like i'm at the risk of sounding really pretentious and condescending and i dude okay so here's one thing i can tell you i have insanely insanely fixing you are not because here's how i look at art to me personally 100 subjective so you are saying something that is your opinion there's no chance i'm going to be like what <gasps> Yeah. <laughs> how, dare, how dare you, Jordan Wolfson, you son of a... I'm not, I promise you, I have a different set of... I, we might disagree. We probably do disagree. But let's and, make a pact right here. We're going to be totally honest. In this yeah, point. dude, be totally honest. And to be, be quite honest, honest if, you're, if you're about to say something super pretentious, I honestly think most of the art world is insanely, insanely fucking pretentious. So... Like that, that's my thing. So, but like, that's but that's but that's the point. That's why this is interesting. Is that the point? Is that the art world is is pretentious in the sense that it's come up with its own sets of rules that are hard to participate in, and it seems like the rules that are governing what makes digital art successful are very very different from the rules governing different. what makes a physical object successful. And by the way, that's not that surprising. Like the experience I'm looking for when I go into a room with art is probably a different kind of experience than the experience I'm looking for if I go onto a screen and want to experience an image on a screen. It might just be that I'm looking for a different kind of experience. And then obviously, it would make sense that you'd have different rules for judging those two different worlds, right? And one might be less about space and conceptual space and the way a space makes you feel and might be much more about the immediate impression that the juxtaposition of two images produces, right? Like a collage effect or a cultural comment or a moment. And I think the confu the problem is that each world is judging the other according to its rubric. It's sort of like if the digital world says, well, the art world's pretentious because it's not taking us seriously and we think these are the values, then of course the art world can say, well, the digital art world doesn't conform to the value system that we've created for our work. And the reality is if talented humans go into a space and decide to focus their energies on it, something interesting is going to happen. It's happened in the art world. It continues to happen in the art world. I'm sure it's happening and will continue to happen in the digital world. It's just that the conversation is not properly calibrated, I don't think. And, um, and, and it's less about pretentious, not pretentious. It's more about like, let's get deeper than that and say, what are the rules that we are all agreeing to when we judge pieces of art in different mediums? Sorry for that long-winded. No, thing. no, I think I honestly agree with everything you just said. I think that's completely right. Um, and I think... 
there, this is just the beginning of this conversation. Cause again, it goes back to the conversation. I don't like feel any sort of like ill world, ill will towards the traditional art world. Like, Oh, they were ignoring us and they th thought we were lesser again. It really goes back to, there was no way to collect it. So nobody, including myself was thinking about it in that context. And so that's why like the valuations of the things that I'm selling now, like to me are very like, holy shit. This was not on my radar, and I wasn't even thinking of my work in this manner. I was thinking at some point people would pay attention to this. Oh, this kid's been fucking doing a picture every day for the last, you know, shitload of years. And, and that there oh, would wait, be. I can interrupt you. I can interrupt you. One thing was one question when we solicited people with kept up coming up is do you know who this artist Ankawara is? I do not. He does this. He works. He made a work every day. What I what's really interesting about this guy on Kawara, he made a date painting. He made a painting that designated the date that he painted it every day. Not every day, but many days of his life. And he remixed the paint every time. What did he do? I, that I don't understand the remix the paint part. He made his own paint color. Like he made his own paint color every time. He re, he produced his own paint for every painting, right? So That's he would like come up with his whole. But the idea is that the strategy of producing something every day is obviously a strategy that exists in both worlds, right? Sure. It's like, oh, yeah. in, you know, that 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 is a way that artists have, you know, found to express themselves. Anyway, Jordan, sorry, I jumped in. I was just... No, I, and I, I, I just want to just add that because he mixed the paint every day, every day it was it was slightly a different color. And then, some, you know, and you could look at paintings and, and he would also choose random days. He didn't do a painting every day. But. Gotcha. Yeah, so, but... Sorry. Go for it, Mike. Sorry, no, I'm, I don't even know. I have a question for Mike. Yep. Yes. Have any commercial galleries in the art world approached you now? <laughs> um, yes. Can you yeah, tell of course. Us Can we talk about it? Uh, probably no, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I will say big, big galleries, big, big, of course. biggest galleries, yes. We've talked. Really? And, and we were. It's on hold for now. Let's just say that. <laughs> I think, I think again, there's been, I think the 69 million, uh, that was a big number. And again, everybody kind okay, let's, was, this is happening a bit quicker than we thought. And so, yes, I definitely have. And it's something that, um, I, I, to be quite honest, two months ago, I didn't even know what the fuck a gallery did. Like the gallery representation, it was like, I don't even know what the hell that means. And so, that piece of it, I'm still not like super, um, you know, super versed in or whatever. But yes, I can tell you that we've definitely, I definitely had very, very high level conversations. Got to watch out for them, Mike, because they take 50%. <laughs> <laughs> That's so I've heard. So I've heard. But beyond that, Mike, are you even interested in that, in the art world community? Like, is that, yes, you know I mean, like, absolutely. For me I actually find it fascinating because it's a different world. And it's so, and to be quite honest, like, I knew pretty much everybody in my world, in my space and like the digital art, not everybody, but I know a lot of people. I've been going to conferences all over the world for many years doing talks. Like I was quite well connected to that, that world. So now here's this other world that it was like, well, I'm kind of thrust into it in a way. Um, but to me is super fascinating because it operates just like you're saying on a completely different um, set of rules. There's a different set of, you know, important people there's a different way of doing things there's a different way of valuing things which to me again it's not right or wrong it's just different 
And it's like, well, this is different. This is friggin' let's let's learn about this. This is super interesting. So to me, I think it's very, very interesting. And um, you know, I, I'm loving sort of like being exposed to like that is another thing that's very interesting to me. Being exposed to all these different ways of different artists um and different ways of thinking about like I thought, think about art every single fucking day. I've spent a measurable amount of my life drawing fucking pictures. Um, but I think about art very different than, than, you know, Jordan and you guys do. And again, it's not right or wrong. It's just very different. So it, it's super interesting to me to like see people's, uh, you know, kind of different viewpoints on it. Can I ask about that? Cause I think that's really interesting. How, if you could characterize how you think about art, like I definitely think about art the way Jordan described, like, and that has to do with how I was exposed to art. You know, yep. I think about it as its cultural impact, yep. the specific set of complications or things it does to me or challenges me to see or says about society. Yep. You know, what are what would be the things that define how you think about art, I guess? I would say, honestly, very similar to that. It's just, I think maybe the disconnect is I can get all that thing, all those things you're saying very easily from a digital piece of artwork. And when I look at traditional art, it's very hard for me to get that. And I think that is vice versa. You look at a digital art and it's very hard for you to be emotionally moved for it or look at it as just like, nah, just a render or this or that. And I look at a lot of contemporary art and it's just like, just a pile of fucking sticks on the ground, guy. What the fuck are we doing here? Like, and you guys might look at it and be like, oh my God, the meaning behind this or that. And it's just kind of like, really? That's what you got from that? It's fucking sticks on the ground. I well, Mike, I'm going to interrupt you again because when we look at digital art, we're like, this is so obtuse and so obvious. And when you're, and when you look at digital art, you're like, this gets to the point, right? Mm, I don't know that I would say that. I would say, I, nah, I wouldn't say that. It's more so, some of it gets to the point right away, but some of it, um, is more subtle, I think. Um, it depends on the piece of art. It's more just like, I, I think equally both sides have difficulty finding the meaning in it uh, and, yes. and being emotionally moved by it, um, you know, in, in the same way that you do your own sort of like art. Again, like a lot of the art, I look at it and it's like, that's to me, it's like, I don't want to say it's not art. It's just like, man, eh, it's it's art. You know, if, again, I have a very broad uh, sort of definition of art. So it's like, it's definitely art, but it's like, it's mostly just the like white paper you wrote behind it. The actual thing, again, is just a fucking pile of sticks on the ground. But, you know, that's pretty interesting because the 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 core criticism from each side is something on the order of that's so obvious or that is just a pile of sticks on the ground. I'm saying yep. from each side, right? Like the the digital critique, let's say, of contemporary art would be, what the hell does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, I can't tell you what it means. It obviously is coded to mean something to certain people. I don't know the code. And I think what Jordan's saying is, and I have this response too, when I look at the images, there seems to be, there are very obvious references, right? There's not, there's often things that you rec- you recognize the person involved, right? It's someone in mainstream culture. You recognize that there is a reference to a cultural, you know, artifact like Star Wars or something else like there. And it seems like there's this digital set of references that create meaning in the digital world that look to us on the outside, just like, oh, the guy's got, you know, th- this is an image of Jeff Bezos. This is a, a Star Wars reference. They've been put together in a very 
intricately rendered way, I don't know what else to take from yes, the Yes, I think you that's what I mean. I think like, that's exactly going... it. Is I think you and both sides, me included, I look at the sticks and it's like, well, they're sticks, who gives a shit, whatever. And you kind of like, I think it's very quick for me to write it off. And I think the exact is opposite true. You look at it and you be like, well, I, I understand this whole picture. It's just Jeff Bezos and his blah, 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 and that's it. And it's like, well, right. I think if it was like presented like on a canvas, you might be like, okay, whoa, let's stop for a second and let me spend 10 minutes looking at this picture. And that's what I think also happened with my work because it's 5,000 images. And, and I saw people, well, I looked through all of them, you know, I looked through all of them and I understand. It's like, whoa, you look through 5,000 images and you processed the meaning and intention behind those images in a weekend. Okay. It's like, ah, you looked at each one of them for about 10 seconds. And then you're just like, well, that's all the meaning there and move on to the next one. Well, that's all the meaning there. Move on to the next one. And I think it's it's hard because it's sort of like each side, and I'm 100% guilty of this, the reverse. I walk through a museum. I look at the sticks for two seconds, and it's kind of like, don't know what the fuck that is. Keep walking. You know what I mean? Like, I think both sides, but, there's such but, a disconnect because- Can I interrupt again? Sure. I think 10 seconds for looking at a sculpture, for example, could be adequate. Could be. To me, it's even by my standards, it seems like you're kind of not giving it. Maybe a minute and a half, maybe two minutes maximum with this static object. But one one thing is, was have you ever heard of Michelangelo? You've heard of Michelangelo. <laughs> I have heard of Michelangelo. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Wait, 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 like Michelangelo's David. Have you ever seen it in the in Florence? Where is it? I think I Florence, might have the Academia. Yeah, I believe I did see it actually, and I, I, honestly, it didn't. Ah. Maybe I, went, I didn't. I have been to Florence. I don't remember if we honestly saw it. I that. went so. there and I was there with a group of people. And I think we stood there all together for 45 minutes looking at that sculpture. I would tend to, to spend a while looking at something like that, too. When I've gone to museums, like I can spend a shitload of time looking at one picture, especially like old masters and shit like that. But it seems, see, this is the interesting thing, too. It seems like some of the aesthetic um, qualifications meet the further back in art you go, right? So when I called you the other day, Mike, you were sort of saying, someone asked you, is this going to end, you know, art auctions? And you were sort of like, no, this is not going to disrupt people's appreciation for old masters. People are always going to like looking at Renaissance paintings or looking at Van Gogh. What I'm saying is we are all, I'm trying to figure out where we all agree on the value system. And it seems like when you go back to something from the Renaissance or even later, let's say into the 1800s, there's probably, we have e an easier time agreeing on cultural significance and value, right? Like I was interested that the underbidder on your work ended up buying, it was reported in the in the art press, buying a Picasso like a week later, right? He bought a yeah. very expensive Picasso. So to that point, uh, to the last point there, I think um, that's where I think like people sort of like, oh, you know, I had I was talking to, to uh, you know, a guy at Christie's, he's, you know, getting questions where it's like, are you going to keep selling paintings? It's like... Okay, this didn't just destroy art here. It's just like a new medium that like, I think is just going to add. And honestly, I think it's going to take a lot of people who never would have been interested in buying that Picasso. And now they're into this system. And they're just like me, going to discover, you know, broaden their view of art, and, and it's going to be additive. So I honestly think you're going to get a percentage percentage of people 
coming in from this NFT space that then start buying traditional art. Uh, absolutely. And I think vice versa. Um, to your point, I think one of the reasons to me that, that some of the like older work um, connects with me uh, more is because I can see that it's like, okay, that is literally like a master level craft. It's like the ability to look at light like that, the ability to, to, to render an image like that from your head is like insane. And I have the ability, I, I kind of doubt you guys do, no offense, to look at digital art like that. And I can immediately see that it's like, oh my God, the technical like ability, the technical craft that went into making that piece of art is like fucking insane. Like just like this took hours upon hours upon hours upon hours. It was not something somebody... It, it was something that took just an insane amount of of knowledge to to put on the screen, um, and so that's where I think there might be you know a, a like an appreciation again. like disconnect or whatever. How long does it take you to make one of uh, your digital artworks? I would say for the everydays, because again I'm doing it start to finish in a day. The average I would say would be uh, probably two hours, two to three hours which again, to me is actually more of a sketch. And like, I don't look at these as like, each one is like a, you know, uh, I'm pumping out a masterwork each day. This is a sketch and it is about the like, the whole, whole project a and the pro the process of sitting down each day. That That's a big, big piece of it. And facing that blank canvas. That's a huge, huge piece of it. But I've also have short films that have taken me years to make, that have taken two, three years. Are you, are you considered like at a masterful level within the, the community of digital art? Mm, yes in all, yeah in all honesty yes yeah i mean yeah probably I, I personally look at because there's so many different facets uh i i look at things and it's like well that guy's way better at this that guy's way i don't consider myself a master but yeah but, i mean probably a lot but of to, jo to jordan's point it's not just technical mastery that makes for a good piece of digital art right i mean I, and that's we're kind of like getting closer and closer to the core issue which is you know, it's both what you decide to depict and your capability to depict it up to a certain point, right? You can't be kind of below, it can't look like garbage. I think you're right to think, I, I speak just for myself, I don't know, Jordan, how you feel that I have a hard time seeing the labor in any digital object, right? It's very easy for me to imagine the labor in a physical object. Very hard for me to be like, oh, that must have taken a huge amount of psychic energy, time, etc. Uh, I, I think that's very true. I can look at it quite easily and be like, okay, because I know these programs and I know the ability of the programs. And it's like, I know no program can just do that. You had to have really fucking understood this program. And it's insanely, insanely complicated to do that thing. And there's, it could be something very simple that it's like, oh, that, that little thing there. I know that took a shitload of time because I know there's no quick way to do that. And so those are the kind of things that you would look at it and you'd be like, well, it's a blah, 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 blah. Like it's not, it, you don't understand that it was like, no, that took a shitload of time. Nobody's ever done that before. Um, it's using this new software that maybe just came out like, you know, a year or two ago. It's very bleeding edge and you're using it in a way that nobody's ever used before. Um, I'm able to see that because again, I've been in this space for, you know, 20 years or whatever. Can sure. we pause? I just want to use the restroom quickly. Just for sure, sure. Go for it. Um, cool. So interesting. So interesting. I think just... it is super interesting. I think this is a great conversation because I, I, think, I think, 
I think this is going to break things open. This is what I was hoping. I actually think this will be a conversation people will really want to listen to because it's it's not coming at it with an agenda. You it's not coming I mean? it's, at it with an agenda. And I think it's also like, it's not coming at it from this NFT, NFT, NFT. No, it's no, like the exactly. art, Like, okay, let's get past the fucking, like, what JPEG file type it was saved as. Like, yeah. take that off the table. The actual art behind it, which has been, I can assure you, very few of the conversations that I've had. They're almost all like NFTs, blah, 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 like this and that. Back, guys. Hey, Drew. We were. We, well, what we about? Were, I just want to talk about craft a little more because I just had, sure, sure, I had sure, sure, yeah. I would say one. If we talk about Michelangelo, for example, or Caravaggio, they were master craftsmen. There were many master. They were they were undeniable. Und, and and Rembrandt, master crafts person, mm-hmm. right? But but there was something different about their work than about their contemporaries that reached, I don't know how to even say it, like the simplest way is like reach people's hearts or reach the inner sense, the inner, the inner presence of the viewer, the inner mind of the viewer. And Mike, I think, and in all honesty, I think the art world has a hard time getting that experience from your work. And in all I agree. Honesty, and I'm going to argue that it's not, I don't think, I'm going to argue that I just, I don't think that it's just because it's a digital image because we're so used to digital imagery. I think that there's some, there's a kind of coding in the culture of digital art making that you come from that um, is just, that is just, stands at a kind of profound contrast from the coding of, of, of image culture and object culture that the contemporary art world has developed. A hundred percent. I could not agree with that more. I could not agree with that more. I think you are absolutely right. I think there's, I think one of the reasons for that potentially is um, the, again, the volume. I'm able to create an insane amount of work compared to somebody who's painting stuff. Like I'm going to be making, you know, at least 365 paintings this year. Uh, And and so I think it's, but I think it also is, um, I I think that's part of it, it, that it's very hard to look at each one of them as, as sort of, its own sort of separate thing that has, you know, all this meaning and intent and blah, blah, blah. Um, But I think that is also something that speaks to the way that we consume media, you know, sort of, uh, and the pace and volume that we consume media in 2021. And I think digital art speaks to that in a way that traditional art does not. uh, For, you know, traditional artists, I would assume... I don't know. I'm just pulling a number out of my ass that they put out, I don't know, maybe 10 paintings a year. That'd be pretty good. I have no idea what the fuck, like, what would be a, a, a considered prolific in the sort of like, uh, you know, and I'm sure it varies a lot. Hold but on, Mike. I'm going to pause you again, Mike. I'm going to pause you in because I think that's arbitrary to this. And I'm just being in all honesty. I just think that's an arbitrary fact to this. I think Arbitrary that- how? 
I don't think it matters how much artwork someone makes that determines the quality of them as an artist or that the art, the, the quantity doesn't describe the, the codes. Of, of the- no, no, I don't think it does. I think it makes you look at it differently. If you have, if, if you walk into a gallery and you see three pictures up, you are going to look at those very different than if you see 300 pictures up. And so that's all I'm saying. I mean, it's not better or worse. I'm just saying, I think, the volume of it and the, the because of the speed of creation of digital artwork, I think it makes you look at it differently. There's an artist who shows at the gallery, David Zwerner. Um, his name is Josh Smith. And he did a show about, I think, two, two years ago, two and a half years ago. And uh, he, he filled the gallery to the brim in a way I've never seen another artist do. And for me, it was, it was one of the, the great shows I had seen at the gallery from any artist and yeah i mean I, I again i'm not saying it like can't be but i'm just saying it does make you look at it differently i'm sure each individual piece you looked at differently because it was surrounded by a shitload of other pieces versus it just being the only one on the wall hold on i want to ask hold on, i want to pause it oh, wait, i want to pause everyone again because i really want to get to the bottom of this mike where have you developed this, this theory of, of this like where have you developed this theory but Jordan, it's not a theory he's he's presenting. He's just saying that some when you see a ton of things at once, you interact with them a little differently than when you see one thing at one yeah, time. Yeah, that's really that's awesome. not a that's not a theory. That's just a that's an observation about with you human guys, psychological experience. About how you would, if you were okay, so let's talk about for example Jason Rhodes, right? There's a lot of there's he fills right. the gallery. There's a lot of work in there. You could say there's hundreds of pieces in the Jason Rhodes show. So we're talking not about what we're talking about how, but, but, really. Yeah, but I'm not, you're, I think you're you're conf- Jordan. My, you're, I think you're looking for the numerical thing to become a qualitative distinction, and no one is saying that there's a qualitative distinction being made between more versus less. That's just not what's being said here. Not a binary in how the viewer reacts to less I, or more. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think you're I th- there. I think I would agree. I think. I don't know how you feel, Mike, but I think Jordan makes a good point that actually, like, it, you can't always predict. Sometimes more creates one kind of experience. Oh, sometimes yeah. more creates a different kind of experience. I think I, I do think that is true. But I think on the whole, I, I think the scale of, of how much work people are putting out, I think, is to a lot of people. Again, I could be wrong. I, I think is to a lot of people makes people look at it differently and does devalue it. Personally, that's what I think the the some of what, you know, people in the traditional art world, when they see digital art, I think that's one qualification. I could be totally wrong. I'm not in their brain. I have no idea. But I, I personally think that could be a piece of why, you know, people from the traditional art world would look at it and be like, there's so much of this shit. It can't have that much value. Uh, I, I, again, I could be wrong. Mike, I'm going to tell you and I'm going to say this just because we're here in the podcast that I've actually, I, and I'm gonna, I have to be totally honest because we can't just like sit here with you. I think that you've told yourself that story. I don't think I'm gonna be totally honest with you. I don't think that's the case. It could not be the case. It, it might not be the case. It's literally my interpretation of how someone else is interpreting my work. Yeah, I could be totally wrong. I just don't think that's the case. It might I not be. That with compassion, 1000%. I just, I just don't think that's the case. But, but it might not be. Jordan, I, and when I say that, I think it's 
one aspect of how people are approaching this. I don't think it's the only aspect. I think it's I think it could be one way one of the things factoring into how the traditional world is looking at digital art. It may or may not be. I don't know. I, I absolutely can't say. One for of the things I have enjoyed from your work is that I started. We, you know, we started following each other on Instagram, and I've been looking at your work every day. Then that hasn't that hasn't like made the experience less. For well, me. and that in that case, I think it's different because you're being forced to look at just one picture a day. I was more speaking to the fact when people first became acclimated to my work after like like the sale and it was like holy sweet baby jesus here's 60 bazillion pictures the brain shuts down this is all shit but, but can i can i can i just i think there's a there's an underlying question jordan which is sort of like what i'm back to this question sometimes it feels like the kind of feeling you know physical art or the art world is hoping to produce in the viewer is actually not the feeling or not even in the family of feelings that digital art is that interested in producing, right? So, and 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 maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm just saying like, that could be totally personal. It could be that I'm moved by certain things and not moved by other things. It certainly sounds that that's kind of what you're saying, Jordan, right? Certain things move you no matter how much of them there are or how few there are plays no role because you think it's great art, you feel it's great art and it moves you. Can I tell you the most ironic thing? So Mike, I'm looking at your work right now, mm -hmm. okay? And I'm sitting here, um, I'm sitting here with a painting. So there's that with actually, I'm sitting here in this room. I'm going to show you guys something just for a second. The buzz light, you're behind you. I saw it. Yeah, this is an artist named Michelle Mayeras. Mayeras. I always have trouble pronouncing it. He's one of my favorite artists. So here's Buzz Lightyear and Michelle Mayeras. And let's look at Buzz Lightyear here. Here in your work, Mike. And I think the difference is, is, is that I'm looking, here I am, I'm looking at all this work. You have Buzz Lightyear with a Maurizio Catalan's banana on it and everyone looking around at it. I would say looking at this, like, I wouldn't say this isn't art and I wouldn't, but then I could also imagine this as a kind of, if, if the New Yorker, if the New Yorker was like having CGI renderings for their cartoons, maybe like this could also work here with like a caption on the bottom, which is essentially what a meme is. But what's the, what's, I mean, my, my feeling is that in the digital art world, the separation just isn't that there is no separate. It's all, it's all part of potentially the same feels, category. It just it's, feels also the conditions are totally different. Like Mike. Yes, you, digital conditions for experiencing art are completely different. From, no, but I think from, it's a different conditions. I think there's just, a, I mean, it's weird that, that we can't, it feels, I'm gonna like, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I'm, I feel like we're not having like, I feel like, I feel like in all honesty, like I need to say a couple of things to just set things in a, in a way because I just feel like we can't have this, this conversation. And I want to say all of these things in the most respectful way. And I think we just need to look at a couple facts, okay? Just because Mike sold an artwork for $69 million, and I'm not saying, I'm, does not mean that Mike is a great artist. 
And Mike, I just want to be, I want, and I, I think we just have to put that out there. Dude, nothing changed. So nothing changed. Somebody bought a painting for a bunch of money. But we don't know. Change. We don't know who is a great. We know some great artists, Jordan, in the digital space. I don't think we know who any of the great artists are yet. It's been active for max twenty years. How would we know who the great artists are? It's impossible and to I know. Would, I would counter that with just because Jeff Koons sold the fucking balloon thing for ninety million dollars, that doesn't make him. I, honestly, the money thing is how much people want it today. Doesn't make anybody good or better. It's just literally how much people want that thing. You're right. You're one thousand. So I agree with you there. Be quite honest. So it, let, if we look at an image of yours, Mike, can you like, can you talk me through it a little? Sure. Bit? Okay. So I'm gonna look at. Okay, let's look at the one with um, um, Pence, and he's got insects on his head. Yeah. And the White House is on fire. Yes. So the Pence with insects on his head, with the White House is on fire. That was done immediately after the uh, debate where he a fly landed on his head. And so to me, it was sort of a, just a fucking analogy to how the, he's on the white house and it's this Lord of the flies fucking thing where it just, to me is like an analogy for the entire fucking uh, administration that there's fires at the bottom. The whole thing is just a fucking absolute shit show fucking Lord of the Flies thing where Trump's at the fucking top and he's, you know, doling out whatever. And, and it's just this gross fucking nasty shithole of a fucking scene. And there's Pence like on top of it. So it was obviously partially to do with the thing that literally just happened. And so a part of this is sort of like a commentary on the speed that these tools have gotten that it's like mm. I immediately could make that image in one hour. That it's like, boom, here's like a commentary on it right away. That's not just a sketch. It's about the fact that these tools have gotten very fast. So that's a part of it. Another piece of it is, one, that is day 4,600, whatever. That is a, a part of this bigger project. That's a piece of the message of it. Then the actual piece itself is a message on like what I was saying, commentary on literally what just happened, this weird happenstance thing where a fucking fly landed on his head. And extrapolating that out into a broader sort of uh, commentary on their fucking administration and what's going on with that. And so those are all the kind of like pieces. Again, this was a piece I did in an hour and a half. So am I going to act like there's like, you know, this entire master thought of like whatever? It was done from start to finish in one and a half hours. So that's kind of like walking through that. To that point, actually, what I would like to do is when you look at that piece behind you, what do you take from that? Because personally, again, like being totally honest, and I don't want to like really criticize anybody else's work or whatever. But when I look Go at that piece, it. I look at it being like, it's blue. And I don't know if that's a painting or a sticker. And you stuck a sticker on it. And so I think you're trying to like, make I, I a con I don't I, I guess what would you like? What does that say to you? I guess? Okay, I'm looking at the painting right now. Yeah. Okay, this so is very interesting. Literally, I moved my computer. I'll even show you. I'm looking. You can even watch me looking at your. Now you're looking at me looking at the painting. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay, okay. So when I see this painting, I have a physical experience in my body in relation to the scale of the object. That's the first thing. Then I have a secondary experience in my body in relation to the composition of the object. Um, so, right? Uh, all this is happening very quickly. Then I have another relationship to the recognition of 
these two characters from Toy Story. And then I have also an experience based on the emotion that they're projecting. Then suddenly I have this experience based on how the paint is put onto the painting in a kind of very fast, very fast kind of clumsy, messy way and how it mixes with the white background. And for me, it becomes almost a kind of like a timestamp. And I'm very, I'm like, I would say like when I see this painting, I'm, in, I'm incredibly moved, but I'm not moved because the two characters are telling me anything, you know, literally about society. I'm moved because I'm having a kind of complete kind of experience with the gestalt of, of the image and, and the image of and its object. Can, can I ask what, something about what you said, Jordan, really interesting to me. Your experience began as a physical experience. You described it in your body. Yeah. And it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, that a lot of the digital art experience is primarily cognitive. By cognitive, I mean you make, I, let's just say like the, the, the way you experience it most of all, sitting at your computer is not designed to produce a kind of full body physical experience necessarily. Nah. You don't think so? Nah, it depends on the context that it's used. For instance, I do concert visuals a lot of times and they're experienced quite viscerally in right. when you are like looking at a giant fucking screen and lasers and shit and like it's it's a, uh to me a, a very digital experience that is very very visceral and i get a very different like when i see a piece of of uh you know some digital art that that speaks to me uh like you know similar to the way that it sounds like that spe speaks to you it is to me very like very visceral and not just like something that is like mm, that's cool it's just like oh man that gets me like fucking like jack like that is fucking like that is like you know it gives me a lot of energy interesting um, I, I guess i meant specifically if i think about the 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 piece that jordan had just described you know because it, it has oh, a how did of, when i look at that yeah so when i look at that i would look at it and be like okay it's a blue canvas that you painted i can see you painted it very quickly and you slapped a sticker on it, and it's sort of like, uh, it's, to me, I would say it is a commentary on, I don't know, I, I don't, I am literally so little to go on that I, it, it sounds like, uh, to me, and I think this is where there's like a disconnect or like vice versa, I look at that and it's sort of like, there's so little for me to go on, it's just kind of like, well, that seems like a, a, a very like, you know, very similar to me, just like placing this, you know, hand sanitizer on a piece of wood and being like, here, it's a commentary on whatever. I don't, it's like, okay. If you Hold say, on, Mike, I want to, I want to stop. I want to stop you again. Can you take the word commentary out of the reading? Um, I guess if it's not, if there's no commentary, then to me, it's just like you painted some blue and you stuck a sticker on it. There's literally, then to me, there's literally nothing left. Okay, okay, okay. I want to walk this back. This is super interesting. When, when did you feel that commentary was essential to, to an artwork? I don't know that I would say it's essential. Um, I think most things, I think no matter what, man, I guess maybe not. Um, trying to think if if I think all art is commenting on something. I, I mean, I guess I do, because it has some message to agree. I mean, I guess the word commentary and like message, all of it has 
some message, I guess, I think. I mean, I'm trying to think of some artwork that I think has absolutely no message to it. I think everything has like some, you did it for some reason. Like you just like there's some message behind it. I, I guess that maybe commentary is not the wrong word. Maybe just message or like intent. Like when I look at that, it's like I, I think you're trying. I think again, I have no idea what the artist was was trying to like think. I think you're trying to make some commentary on just these commercial characters, and I I, I don't even know. I it, to me, there's so little. It feels like there's so little intent there. That it's like you're forcing the viewer to like, or not forcing, or or maybe forcing is a good word, forcing the viewer to come up with all of the message. And you were able to do that. I am not able to do that. I look at it as a fucking blue thing with a sticker on it. And it's like, you didn't give me enough to go on to come up with like anything to be like, what the fuck does this mean? Does that make sense? Totally. And I think Jordan would say, correct me if I'm wrong, Jordan, that when he looks at a piece like the Mike Pence one, the message is too obvious. Sure, he would rather I can see have, that. He would rather have more room to think for himself than to be guided into thinking about something a certain way. Like maybe that's one interesting distinction. Does that is that right, Jordan? I feel like I'm reading. Yeah, that's right interesting because that reminds me, I had this conversation I had made. I had made I've made like a year or two years of JFK Jr artwork and someone um asked me recently like oh why were you making this and one of the reasons i was making it was like i was trying to make work about trump and i felt like in order to make work about the times we were in i had to sort of turn like like literally sort of diagonally turn away from the times we are in and when i did i saw jfk jr and instead, you know, Mike, you making art about the times we're in, you're turning right toward them. Like this just happened and I am going to make something that is almost like a punchline about what we just saw, right? Like I, a visual... I think, yep. I think honestly, that is a very, I, I think your point of it being too obvious, I think is a big turnoff for people in the traditional art world. There's not enough I don't know, mystery or nuance or whatever that I, I'm saying too much that it's just like, wow, it's obvious you're saying too much. And I think that is definitely, um, and, and I think that is probably a big sort of criticism um, of the the work that you're seeing, the digital artwork, that it's like, this is saying too much. It's not saying, it's not leaving any room for sort of like interpretation. And that's, that I think, I think that might be at the core of what we're talking about. I think that like, might be a big yeah, piece of it. Yes, and I yes. think the disconnect too is on, from my perspective, on the other side, it's like, this is not saying enough. Yes, That it's I get saying it. so little to me that it's like, I'm just like, Okay, here, I can make paintings like that all day. Here's one. Okay, here's the thing. Like, it's saying, in my eyes, so little that it's like, dude, give me something to go on here. What the fuck are we doing? Like, Right, 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 right. No, I get it. But I really think there's an essential question there that the digital art world is is more interested in, in having something be said. And the traditional art world is really interested in leaving a lot of space in the idea of a gesture which is a word we we often use, right? An expressive gesture, something that signals something, but leaves it oblique, you know, leaves it elliptical, doesn't define it too much, all this stuff. And those are just different sets of rules. Different you know sets I mean? of like rules. 
Though, to be honest, I would say if you look through my work, you can find plenty of ones where it's like, what the fuck does this mean? Even I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck this means, where it's just kind of like, this is just kind of like a thing. And I don't I don't even know. You'd, a- you'd ask me that thing, like the Mike Pence thing. That was an insanely literal one. Wait, can we go into a less literal one? Can I just ask? OK, what about this ocean spray cranberry one? Well, that's, again, obviously insanely literal. Like, wow. you know what it means. It's the thing oh. from TikTok. What? Wait, I don't wait, know. Wait, 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 I don't know what that is. Sorry. Oh, really? No, the no, dog no, no, no. face I, thing. No, I don't know. What, I'm not oh, on... okay, that's funny. So, this guy on Tik, you know, TikTok. Oh, I know the guy who sings the 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 songs that that band. What's it called? So there was this guy who. Now nah, he doesn't even like sing it. He was just kind of. There's this guy who got, was on his skateboard and he <laughs> was listening to some. Um, uh, Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. He oh, was yeah, listening to that band, and he drank a fucking, took a swig of fucking ocean spray, and then, you know, 16 billion views later, this video blows up. Literally, that's it. He's just fucking 10-second video, takes a swig of the thing, blah, blah, blah. And so, this was really just, again, a very insanely literal oh, by the way, the sort band, of like, Sorry, the band is Fleetwood Mac. Everyone. Fleetwood Mac, right, Fleetwood right. Mac. But sorry, Mike, can I just ask, and this is a weird question, what about that thing do you think caught the attention of the internet in that way? Like, that's a thing. That's Honestly, a part of the, I think it's one of these things. In that case, put in that video, the original video, I think the video, it, TikTok, the algorithm just blows up certain videos and they okay. just fucking show it to everybody. And it's just oh, okay, okay, literally okay. the algorithm. If the algorithm shows it to 50 million people, a percentage of those people will like it. And, it's and, then, and then your piece is almost a commentary that if it's a commentary on something, it's a commentary on the speed at which and the arbitrariness with which certain images or videos become. I'm just trying to think through how you would see that piece, not how I would see it, but how you would see that piece. Yeah, that piece, to be honest, I would say was sort of sometimes it's just like taking a a meme, an idea and just sort of like piggybacking on it and sort of like extrapolating that out. Like it's a lot of things are like taking things going on now and like, okay, let's just assume this freaking meme just kept going, kept going, kept going until the point where it's like our entire society is like founded around fucking ocean spray and everybody's on skateboards and it's, you know, 200 years in the future and like suddenly it's like this is all we do and this is all we're like fucking like this meme is just taking over our lives. That That's kind of like, a lot of them are taking ideas now and just like the absurdity of this idea. Let's take that absurdity times like fucking 50 years of that absurdity. And like, Got what it. would happen? What would that look like? Wait, wait, I want to ask about another image because I think this is productive. What about the one with Elon Musk on a sheep? And Elon he says, Musk on a sheep with the... Got like some plants in his hand. Okay, so... <laughs> Reeves in the- that one was just fucking stupid. I'm going to be honest. So that one was done live. Um, oh. And so some of these are done, not many of them, a, a small handful, to be honest, because I just started doing that. So some of those are done live on like, in that case, it was a stream. And people are giving me suggestions. I mean, like, do this. And I'm just like, li- it's kind of like a live painting, but it's like, what should I paint next? And then I can quickly just paint that into the scene. And so... That one was just a bunch of fucking just bullshit garbage. Can I ask? It has no fucking meaning. Can can I ask um, to that? And how did you feel? And I say that like without there's I have no I'm just curious how you felt about the art world's feeling about some of the images in the 5000 being 
insensitive in whatever ways they were insensitive. I'm just curious what so that... So there was old ones that have, like, shitty captions. Those suck. Though I, right. I'm not, like, in any way, like, no, this is, like, standing behind every fucking picture. Got Those it. are fucking shitty. They're fucking hurtful. They're fucking insensitive. And if you're offended by them, I am very sorry. My intention is never, never to offend. Those suck. Full stop. They're shitty. Uh, but what I will say is, the entire sort of, like, this is a process. And what I will say about that last image, actually, too... Uh, is part of the point of that image. The image itself is fucking stupid. It's just this bullshit. It was literally done live on a stream with people shouting out shit and, and sort of just doing dumb shit in an hour. But I will say the point behind it was more so to show people is about like getting people out of their fucking head with creating art and sort of like showing them that creating art can just be this fucking like fun, silly, stupid thing that you just do to express yourself. And it doesn't need to be this, like all this baggage and all this like just pomp and circumstance around it that you can just sit down and create something. And like just sitting down and creating something in anything is better than just not creating anything. And so that's a, a part of the message behind that, that I want people to take away when I do something in an hour is getting the fuck out of your own head and just creating. And just like creation, just for the sake of creating. So that, that is a, a message behind that. But again, all of the pieces, like there's tons of fucking garbage in there. And I create things that are, you know, a lot of people could find offensive, you know, in recent ones too. But I'm really never trying to fit. I always want somebody to, to it brighten their day and then be inspired and, and, and take away a positive message from it. Got it. Um, oh, wait, hold on. I want to ask you a question. If you, Mike, if you were, because I think some people in the art world I just want to go into this a little more and is that um, people yeah, have felt like some of this stuff was insensitive or this and that, like, can you give this good, like, if you had to tell the art world, like, like you're like, you clearly don't like Trump. Like you clearly like are environmental activists. Can you just go into your social values? Oh, yeah. My social values are, I'm sure, the, like the same as the rest of the art world. Like, like you're a everything. liberal. Yes, of course. Yes, yes, yes. As I literally spent like years fucking flaming Trump. And was, oh, people's alt-right. It's like, what in the fuck? Guys, that is some QAnon shit. What the fuck are you talking about? Of course not. Of course I want everything to be fucking inclusive and diverse and save the fucking planet. And fuck. Like, what are we? Of course. Yeah, no, I, this is like fantasy world here. Come on, guys. Same team. Same team. Same team. But see, that's the interesting thing is that I think for whatever reason, Jordan, and I, I even feel it in you sometimes, right? Like, and I, and I've, I combat it myself. There is a desire for the digital art world to be a different team, to just say like, that is not part of what we are doing. That is not a position I am personally interested in. I'm much more interested in the conversation we've had here, which is like, where are the gaps and how do you actually try to account for or accommodate those gaps, right? Or maybe there are some things that just won't ever be, you know, crossed, no bridges. And that's also okay. But I'm curious, Jordan, if you have that perception too, this kind of like this need to kind of not demonize, but like backlash against the world. And I don't know if it's just a backlash against NFTs or against technology encroaching on art, quote unquote. Like, oh, like my own desire to backlash? No, no, no. I'm just talking oh. about the art world. If you feel that in the art world too. Like the art world has backlashed on me. Well, I mean, I know that has happened to you. We can talk about that too, because interestingly, you've been 
that you know that that that's something that you've experienced but i'm talking about the backlash against the digital art world right that the mainstream art world is both trying to monetize through the digital art world and also like fuck the digital art world right sort of like fuck this is not art this is not well the art world sells money and runs to it but but that 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 is that is true the art world sells money and runs to it and um I always tell I always tell my friends when they want to quit their galleries, and every one of my friends is always so scared when they want to quit their dealer. And I said to them, "Hey, you you sell art. Like your artwork is for sale. People buy your work, and dealers know this. Like if you quit, you're going to get all the offers, and it always happens every time. It's that cynical, the art world. You know, it's like someone's, you know what I mean? It's like someone is going to make that money. So." Should it be me or should it be the person, you know, two doors down from me? It's funny because to be quite honest, like the thing that I liked about sort of the way I was creating art before is it was completely separate. The money was completely separate. All those, you know, until a couple months ago, there was no way to collect my art. So I was not selling my art. I was literally just making whatever the fuck I wanted to make for the last, you know, 20 years, honestly. And I was making money doing freelance. And that stuff was just like, to be quite honest, I didn't really give a shit about it. Like almost any of the time. It was just like, what do you want? Let's get the fucking thing done. Let's get it. And I can get back to putting my real energy into my art. So the art that I was making was completely devoid of any monetary consideration. Is somebody going to buy this? Is this going to sell? Blah, blah, blah. How does this fit into like, my collection, what are collectors going to think about this in the relation? That was no piece of what I was making. I make whatever the fuck I want. Nobody's going to buy it. That's it. And so it is very interesting, like coming from, and I was very cognizant of that. And I liked that because it was like, okay, I don't need to think about, it's not infecting my sort of like artistic process. Is somebody going to buy this? Are they going to like this? Or this is not going to be like good. Is this going to this or that? And so I like, I really, really liked that those two pieces were completely devoid uh, of each other, the monetary consideration and the like artistic sort of like practice or whatever. So I think it is these, these sort of thoughts now are, are very new to me. Like, okay, if I do this, okay, what, is what are you going to do with all the money, Mike? <laughs> so I'm very much sort of like reinvesting it into the next version. Like now I have like a team of people and we're hiring more people because I think this whole sort of like digital artwork, it's just virtual. It's nothing. There's nothing that it's like, well, that's like ridiculous because at the end of the day, you have to view my work in the real world. And all this stuff you talked about when you looked at that painting, the first thing you talked about was the physical scale and presence of it, how that affected you. And I absolutely believe that can be no different for digital art. So I'm very interested in showing digital artwork that still feels very digital in the physical world in interesting things. So that's with the screens. This is That was obviously very much V1 are, of the screens. Are we in your studio right now or your house? Yeah, this is just, this is my house and my studio. It's just a home office. It's it's not really uh, Are you studio. getting, but are I you, also, are you, do you have a studio? Are you going to get a now studio? Now we have, yeah, we've got like actually two spaces now. But yeah, they're very much something that you would more consider a studio. It doesn't, it looks quite digital, but it's definitely much more of like, and I'll be showing that like pretty soon here. Um, but that, but that, but that, then the point is going to be to create physical objects. I yes. mean, digital... I think there's like screens like these, we've, we've gotten used to just like, oh, screen's just a fucking black rectangle. It's like, why? 
okay, well, it could be a lot more things than that. Like, it could be very interesting. And so I think there's a lot more interesting physical things. So that's one of the thing, the things that I think is very ironic about this is um, this sort of digital movement is actually pushing me to, to make physical art, which I never thought of. Like, that was never something on my, like, radar of, like, oh, making physical pieces or different interesting screens and the packaging that those screens come in. What could that look like? What could that sort of like make you feel? That was not on my radar at all. And so that's, this is pushing me to make more physical art, which I'm very excited about. And that's why looking at your stuff, like the robots and stuff was like, Oh man, this is fucking sweet as hell. Like this is like, that is fucking like cool, cool shit. Um, and I think you're honestly going to see the other side happen, you know, to the, the physical artists. I think you're going to see them sort of come and like, okay, how can we make our work more digital? What what would that look like? What would that look like playing with this new media? So I really think there's going to be a convergence of the two. And I think to your point, uh, Lucas, about like people sort of they're, they're being pushed back from the, the traditional art world. I think that's good to be quite honest. I think, you know, I think it's something where I don't I, I think any any sort of. Um, you know, contemplating, does this have value? That's natural. And that's like, that's a good thing. That's healthy. Like we should be having those conversations of like, is this good or is this suck? And so I, I don't view that personally as like an attack or something. And this is also happening insanely fucking quick. So it's kind know, of like I know, I know, I know. To, to think that it's just like, you know, two weeks later, it's like, well, here's this whole new thing of art. Like, it's just part of the family. It's just like, well, that's obviously not going to happen. No, like, it's going to slow down yeah, and it's change. Gonna, and, yeah, yeah, it's going to like, and they're both going to affect each other. And I think that's good. And that's something that is is going to make both sides stronger, to be honest. Yeah. On that note, guys, it's been, I just realized I got sucked in because this has been so engrossing. It's been <laughs> oh almost God, an hour, so hour, hour and a half. Let's talk a little bit more. Let's just talk a little bit more. I've got till 4.30. Yeah, I, I have a hard, have a, I have a hard out at 4.32. Michael, so. Are you going to buy a house? Like a new house? Like what are you going to, that was a question that one, yeah, of, the, one I mean, of the artists asked. So to be quite honest, like I live in, in the suburbs of Charleston and we live in a, a pretty like tight-knit community and everybody knows about this and so it's a little like intense and to be quite honest there's like there's actually an armed guard outside my house right now um because i have all of the original everydays in the house here still like the drawings because again the first year was like drawings and shit and a bunch of hard drives and like i've got some potentially like a, a couple bucks in the house now and so it was sort of like uh, and there's there's crime in this neighborhood too. It's it's a good neighborhood, but it's like nah, people's shit gets broken into once in a while. So it's kind of like uh, wow, that's wild. A little to... And people are like sending shit to the house and fucking calling us. It's like we're we're pretty exposed here. So we probably I I didn't really want to, um, but we probably will move to a slightly more secluded area, I guess. Okay, awesome. I, I'm going to ask a couple quick questions that I got from my friends. Okay. Yep. Um, do you ever feel lonely? Mm, not really. I've got a wife and two kids, so I'm pretty good. <laughs> um, all right. It's a very interesting question. That was like, from a very famous artist, by the way. I like <laughs> this. Sorry, I who? Like Can this. you say who? No. Um, <laughs> And here's this is also uh, from someone quite well known. What's your favorite sneaker? 
I'm gonna be honest, not really into sneakers. I've got gar I would say the collective value of all of my clothing is probably like three hundred dollars, six hundred dollars. Like I, I don't even know what the fuck kind of sneakers I have. Like I don't I, I, I yeah. In the art world, like our art world, for example, uh, who are the artists that you compare yourself with? That I compare myself with? None, to be quite honest. There's none that I feel like and, and when I don't mean that in like a facetious way or that, you know, no, better no, no, or worse. no, no, I think we all understand if it's country. Kind of okay. In your world, who do you compare yourself with? What are their names? Um, I would say Ash Thorpe. He's definitely somebody I would say I compare myself to. Um, maybe Simon Stalinhog. He's got some things like he's definitely been an influence. Um, I, th there's a lot of people like, like I'll get on something like right now I'm on kind of this gross, weird, whatever, like, and I'll kind of like be very influenced by a bunch of people. And a lot of times I don't even know their names because it's just sort of like you see pictures and it's like one picture here, this picture, that. So I get sort of like attached to aesthetics or sort of like ideas and this and that. And, and I get tired of it very quickly. And so that's, if you look at the whole 5,000, it's, there's very like, you know, the stuff I was doing three years ago is very different from what I was doing three years before that and three years, blah, blah, blah. So the, the, I don't really like, you know, get attached to somebody and like, okay, that's who I'm like, sort of, uh, you know, very influenced by over a huge amount of time. I like these, the art world questions from George. I like them. It's cool. It's cool. They're kind of right. out a lot. And the one says, I'm curious, did he consign the work directly? Did he get the money from the sale? Um, what do you mean? Did I get the money? Yeah, I mean, I got the money. Yeah, it was actually through another place. They paid me technically. But so yeah, who, I mean, who I was that? Who was that? Maker's Place. May so Maker's Place actually minted the token and sort of they were the ones that reached out to Christie's and sort of like organized this. But yeah, I mean, I got the vast, vast majority of the money, like most of the money. And then another someone says, uh, Who's backing you? Nobody. What do you mean backing me? <laughs> That's one of the questions. Like, who's backing you? Like, I, do you have a backer or did you have any type of backer for the NFT sale? Was it an inside, I don't even know what that means, backer. Was it an inside job at all or was it anything like Inside that? job. Not inside job, like a, but did you have, like, guaranteed buyers and stuff oh like no 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 there was no it was a hundred percent that thing could have the as it started out at a hundred dollars that thing could have sold for 200 bucks and it started out at a hundred dollars started out at 100 dollars. no estimate it could have sold no reserve no anything it could have sold for 200 dollars. and there you go you got okay. 13 years of work 200 bucks so i want to what did you do that night what did you do that night? did you take the family out for dinner uh that night i don't even we were, i was just wrecked i will say the next night after that we took a private jet i never even flown first class we took a private jet to miami for the weekend that was uh wow that was an interesting i never flown first class i never flown business class did you get did you get the money the same day we got the money i got the next day the the it, the sale was thursday morning at 11 o'clock by friday night about midnight ish in miami we're sitting as soon as we landed in miami it was like they want to do the transfer now it's like jesus fuck okay so it's like 15 lawyers on the phone all this crazy shit like okay transfer the token to the to medical and he transfers the money literally uh the next day 
uh, th- that day, that night, within hours, he had the artwork, I had the money, totally done. The transaction was 100% complete. Look at my phone, $56 million. Are, are, you, are, you, are you doing any like um, philanthropy? Yes, definitely. A hundred percent. We just did that like open earth thing, but yeah, that's going to be a huge piece of this. Cause again, like I'm, we, I've not bought a car. I've not bought like, you know, any of this, honestly, I don't give a shit about that stuff. Like I I'm interested in using the, the, the money to make bigger and better, you know, more ambitious art projects. But to be on that, I, I'm not like a, I'm a pretty simple dude. What's like, the open earth? What's the open? So the open earth is a uh, climate uh, change, um, thing that we sold uh i sold a piece that was six million dollars for like a couple weeks ago oh wow i didn't even know that okay, i got one more question I last got question this is one it's pretty simple but do you still have fun a hundred percent i've honestly never been more inspired by like this is to me just like i've never had more fun like by a, a huge margin because it's like honestly the biggest piece of it i don't have to do fucking client any work which i could have stopped before but and now I'm just doing whatever the fuck I want. So it is like insanely fun. And I'm like beyond, beyond inspired, to be quite honest. And how do your parents feel? They're insanely supportive. My dad is now like busting his ass to fucking help me with this. Like they're very, very supportive. Like they, they've they seen this, like the whole sort of like movie play out. So, you know, they could not be more happy and supportive, to be honest. Guys, thank you so much for coming Dude, we on. should do a V2 of this at some yes, point. Totally, I, this was, totally. I fucking love this, dude. Jordan, thank you so much. Uh, like, it's my pleasure. And I hope I wasn't rough on you. I just- Dude, like, not at all, dude. Out. I fucking, I would love to talk for like two more hours, dude. Like, yeah, this was well, so you know fun. What? DM me your phone number and we'll just- Yeah, dude. The new animatronic. And actually- I would love that, dude. Those robots are dope as hell. I would love to see I that. introduce you to the place that makes them and you can make some. Oh, hells yes, dude. We are doing that. I promise you we are doing that. All right, guys. Well, thank you again. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Dialogues is produced by David Zwerner. You can find out more about the artists on this series by going to davidswerner.com slash dialogues. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really does help other people discover the show. I'm Lucas Werner. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you join us again next time.